I don't think Mike Blunden is real. <laughs> that's just some. That's just a name they're slipping in there to see who's paying attention. I'm pretty sure Mike Blunden is just Mike London from a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sort of name that you make up when you're being questioned by the cops. Yeah, exactly. Like, Who are when you? you? <laughs> and you're like Mike Blunden. Yes, and I am not operating this vehicle intoxicated. And my name, as I said, is Mike uh, Blunden. Yes, that's Blunden. Thank you, officer. I'll be on my way now. <laughs> you dyed it in red Remember Todd White Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you asked It's the Chet and Luke Podcast Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode Clinkhammer of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who ruined FanFest by shouting, Sparta Cat is just a man in a suit at small children. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? Uh, doing pleasure to be well. here. Do you or love do you the not? show? Uh, I was just going to ask you if you love the show. Damn it! Uh, and um, <laughs> those kids have to learn about the, the truth about Spartacat sometime. <laughs> if it's got to be me that's telling them, so be it. But uh, I'm tired of this team deluding its fans into thinking a that they're a contender and b that Spartacat is actually a giant cat. Too many parents out there not vaccinating their kids, but also not giving them the straight up truth about so many of life realities and and which is more important i ask you you can't go through life thinking that every cartoon cat is a real cat that's, that's absurd <laughs> uh episode clink hammer i would say he was my favorite player that the senators put on waivers other than mike hoffman i was gonna come through with the jim o'brien reference there but there yeah, you go uh, i think jim o'brien mike hoffman and caspar's yeah, dogovans rest in peace rest in peace rooster I say that, but I think he's still alive and well and living in Moscow, playing for one of, like, Moscow's seven KHL teams. So what's going on, man? We got a week until the season starts. It's a week until the season starts, and I've been looking up and down the Sens roster, and things are a little injury-heavy. A little bit, eh? There's some of my favorite players aren't in training camp. Eric Carlson had a thing, apparently. He was like, <laughs> yo, I'd love to come to training camp, but I like said yes to this Facebook event, and I don't want to flake. So <laughs> Eric Carlson, gone. yeah, he was diagnosed with a uh, with an international hockey tournament that most people didn't watch. It's, it's clearing up, I think. Who else is gone? Mark Stone got hurt on the first day of training camp. I understand he had a bit of a skirmish with Buddy Robinson. Was it a skirmish, or did they just like collide awkwardly i heard conflicting reports on this one there there probably wasn't a great deal of intent on buddy robinson's part which distinguishes it from maybe another event that we can talk about in a minute but i did like what pierre dorian was saying at fan fest about like concussions are serious that said we don't even think he had a concussion if it was a concussion it was like the most minor concussion you can have and we can guarantee that he'll be back and on the one hand i was like that's great news and on the other hand i was like wow pierre dorian really does does not care too much that, that he has a brain injury. <laughs> Pierre Dorian out here just like, look, guys, what you have to understand is that 
Concussions are just a social construct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing him just getting up there and saying, don't worry, folks, those silky hands are not concussed. You can't get a hand concussion, so Mark Stone will be fine. Can you get a wrist concussion, or does PK Subban have to be there? <laughs> Who else is gone? So you and I went to FanFest last weekend, and I'm not sure about you, but I was just happy to see Les Boys out on the ice again for the first time this year. Remember how great it was when we saw Clark MacArthur on the ice for oh, the first right. time in a year? Remember how, how how great it was to see that guy back and playing that strong brand of two-way hockey we've all come to know and love? And yeah, he was really just sort of rushes. Really just sort of, I mean, it was great that you had, you know, maybe five or 6,000 people, uh, primarily children, there to see the return of uh, Clark MacArthur, because that's a kind of inspiring thing that you can get behind at the start of a season that really makes you feel good about your chances. The best part about that was also that Clark MacArthur looked amazing on the ice like he was going between his legs on shots it looked like he was clicking extremely well with Derek Broussard and Bobby Ryan Clark MacArthur that beautiful beautiful man back from injury and just running wild like the strong horse that he is it was great to see was there anything else you wanted to point out about Clark MacArthur yeah if for example I'm not gonna name names but if you're on the ice playing against Clark MacArthur in a practice scrimmage for fans and children at 11 a.m. on a Sunday, if if that's something that's happening. Yeah, if you're not in church and you happen to be playing in a scrimmage at FanFest. Yes, and you see Clark MacArthur taking the puck against the board with his yeah. head down. If that happens, under no circumstances are you to blow him up with a shoulder <laughs> to the head in front of thousands of fans. And most of whom are children. <laughs> but are we talking about this in a hypothetical sense? Because surely no player that has made it to the NHL level, even in the heat of the moment, even in the split second you have to make a decision, you know, in, in the course of a hockey play, even then during a sort of low-pressure intra-team scrimmage, would probably know before you hit anybody who it was and whether or not there was any mitigating circumstances that you might say to yourself, hey, maybe I should pull up here. Maybe I don't need to blow this guy up, particularly if it's the guy who's coming back uh, after missing the entire year with a head injury. You'd think that um, most professional players, even in the, the split second they have to make a decision, would be able to do that math, right? Who, who are we even talking about? That's how, like, this guy got cut immediately. Like, he was cut three-tenths of a second after that scrimmage. <laughs> I believe we're, I believe we're talking exiled about... to Siberia now. He's in the KHL. He's off the continent. So, so just to take a step back, I believe the gentleman that we're talking about is a Patrick Seeloff, right. uh, also known as Patrick See You Later, uh, also known as Patrick Seeloff the Team Forever. Patrick, uh, <laughs> Patrick the less popular one. Also known as Patrick uh, Sealed in a Lockbox in Binghamton, which will then be relocated to Belleville, buried in the foundation of a middle school and opened as a time capsule in 75 years to the marvel of uh, futuristic children. Patrick Seeloff blew up Clark MacArthur, reconcussed him, and was never heard from again. Here's the thing is, even if you're going to say this is a heat of the moment thing, I think when you come to a new place of work, you kind of want to get the lay of the land and see, you know, if there's any no fly zones with your coworkers, right? You don't right. want to be the person making like the wife jokes to the guy whose wife just died last year or something, right? You got to <laughs> learn about these things. There's context. You know what? You're absolutely right. And if I were to make a, a short list of what are the main things you need to know in any new work environment, it's whose wife has just died and who 
who has a concussion. No off-color jokes to people who are emotionally vulnerable, and no hitting people in the head if they've spent the last year with a head injury. Those are the two commandments. Anytime I change jobs, the first thing I want to know is, okay, who here, we hold an all-staff meeting, who here has a history of concussions? You, 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 okay. Everybody else, you could get blown up. Get yeah. ready. <laughs> Normally, people will say you have to keep an eye out when that guy's on the ice for the purposes of keeping your head up so you don't get blown up. In this case, I feel like you have to know when Clark MacArthur's on the ice so you don't hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I heard some people say, well, you know, Clark MacArthur was going to take a hit eventually, and maybe even a lesser hit than that could have knocked him out. And all that is true. But the point is, it doesn't need to be during an intergame scrimmage at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning in front of a bunch of children. The woman behind me gasps so audibly when Clark MacArthur went down that I honestly thought that like I was looking somewhere else when when the hit happened I thought there was some kind of like somebody had died or been decapitated or something like that it was horrible and it's funny because you saw how out of their way Sens players and Guy Boucher were afterward to kind of be like yeah you know it's it's a hockey play it's fine we're moving on and they were saying and even Clark MacArthur in his Instagram post was like saying all the right things about uh, I don't blame anybody it could happen and it's fine and that when people make a point to to kind of have that line over and over and over it's like yeah he's never coming back <laughs> it's I'll like they're you. they're saying all the right things precisely because they intend to bury him as low as they possibly can for the rest of his career Bobby, with the Ottawa Senators what are you doing Patrick <laughs> do you know do you know how popular the last Patrick was all you had to do was get six points and people would have loved you don't be Mark Borowiecki that's your that's your role it's like, not like I'm, you're it's not like you're Eric O'Dell trying to live up to the legend of Eric Condra yeah. you're just Patrick Seeloff all you need to do is is play defense and score more than six points and, and you'll be a hit in this town we traded Alex Jason for you the fact that you were a warm body was was all you had to maintain so that's a great point because I remember you saying that Alex Jason was like negative space as a hockey player like he was on the ice but he just never seemed to be doing anything in particular like he was stuck in a phone booth and I submit to you that that is still better than concussing your own teammate in an intra-team scrimmage that's actually not even a a neutral that's a negative right yeah I've been harsh on Alex Jason before but I would like to give it up to that guy once and for all for at no point injuring his own player yeah I feel like now we've officially lost the Jason Spezza deal I wasn't sure before <laughs> it's true. that's the final straw that kind of pushed me over the hump just but little, i did a little feather that went on the left side of the scale that tipped it towards losing the spetsa trade yeah but i did like don brennan's hater ass column this week uh which is not something i normally say uh about seal and how other than basically working out in the weight room he was being quarantined as much as possible from the rest of the team and hasn't even made it into a preseason game at this point and Guy Boucher said, oh, no, that was the plan. He was never going to play in any preseason games. And I was like, really? And they're like, he was going to Binghamton either way. We don't need to see anything from that guy. And I was like, you're not even going to play him in one preseason game? Okay, everybody, like, you got McCoy or Camps out there, like, mixing it up, but uh, no Patrick Seeloff? Okay. Uh, dear Patrick, there is no I in team, but there is an I in Binghamton. And guess where you are going? <laughs> Best of luck, Patrick Seeloff, and uh, we look forward to you being traded for future considerations. 
Basically, just look into Evansville real estate. That's all, I'm, that's all I got to say. <laughs> it's over for you, my dude. There was one other injury I wanted to talk about, and that was Curtis Lazar. Did you hear that Curtis Lazar has, uh, has mono? I will say that whenever I hear about someone getting mono, I am contractually obligated to inquire whether if they had kissed two people, they would have stereo. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> oh, my God. Luke Peristi pulling up from 40 with that one. <laughs> uh, but I got to say, I mean, leave it to Curtis Lazar on the eve of what could be a make or break season for him at this stage of his career to contract a sickness that could uh, limit his effectiveness for large parts of the season. Could he pick a cuter disease possible than mono to do that? Like he's it's got true. He's, you but, know, leave it to Curtis Lazar to come down with the kissing disease. Isn't that cute? That is an illness you get after sharing an ice cream sundae with someone. Exactly. You know, That's probably the way it happened. He was sharing a banana split with his sweetie uh, who, you know, had mono. <laughs> now he is mono. I mean, a lot of times people will say, aw, when Curtis Lazar is on the ice, but now they'll be saying it for a different reason. Yeah, I know. Exactly. When it's November and he's back in the lineup and he has no strength in his legs. <laughs> It's going to be fantastic because he hasn't been working out for two months. Anyway, best of luck, Curtis Lazar. You missed a couple of months on the leg press, but you probably don't need it when you actually play NHL hockey. So you'll be all right. If I'm anything, thinking of Colin White, right? Like he, he missed like half a year with mono, right? Yeah. And that's and then, why we were able to draft him. And then everyone went, ooh, what a steal. That guy was actually sick. Yeah. So we have a bunch of injured players. Uh, we have started some uh, some preseason hockey. I was pleased to see Mike Hoffman just scorch the Habs in overtime the other night. It's so nice to watch Mike Hoffman without having to worry about his contract. Right? I'm just like, oh, good. I get to just enjoy this guy for what he is. Amazing. <laughs> is this like what it feels like when you finally own your own home? It's a little bit like that. It's like you get to enjoy his blistering hot slat shot without expecting his agent to have some kind of miles per hour exhibit on his slap shot at the next arbitration hearing. Yeah. So that's always good. Every time you look over at his agent, he's just like rubbing his fingers and thumb together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And Pierre Dorian's like, all right, another goal. And then he looks over at Hoffman's age. He's like, oh, yeah, the finger thing. It means the money. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> also, Derek Broussard looks good. Looking at Broussard to Ryan uh, in the first couple of games, they, uh, they look pretty good together. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's preseason and everyone's kind of going at half pace and just trying to get through the game without getting injured unless they're Patrick Sealoff. And <laughs> I mean, if you had so said there's only so much you can take from this, but early returns on Derek Broussard are I like him. If you had said in the offseason, Bobby Ryan is finally going to get it going and the key is going to be Derek Broussard and Phil Veroni, <laughs> I would have slapped you in your lying mouth. <laughs> but there you go. The proof is in the Veroni. <laughs> do, 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 do. Phil Veroni is going to make the team, right? Phil Veroni. He's going to make the team, I think, even more than like Tom Pyatt. is on his most Brandon Bochensky grind. It's amazing. Where did this guy even come from? He was like a career Rochester American. That's right. He was. He played a couple of games with Buffalo until Tim Murray, the god, decided that he had to trade most of his Rochester lineup for most of the Binghamton lineup. How many games do you think Phil Veroni played in the NHL last season? It was six. He had three points. He scored a goal on two shots. So if I extrapolate, then that makes him a 41-point player. That makes him the 41-point player who's going to have 15 goals on 30 shots. This guy's just 
a poor man's Stephen Stamkos. <laughs> I think that's fantastic because uh, you know who's never scored 41 points in a season? Curtis Lazar. <laughs> Just saying. So since we are a week from the season starting, we've tried to do season predictions in the past. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think there's a lot of use because we keep saying the Senators are going to go 81 and one and they never do. And so I, I just don't know that I can wrap my head around accurately predicting the way a season is going to go. Like we're not in effective math here. You know, I think we're doing our best with the facts at hand. So why don't we uh, talk a little bit about uh, individual players and what we expect from them this year? That sounds good. Like when you can't get the big picture sorted out, then you might as well go small scale. Another another guy who looks looks like he's going to make the team is Thomas Shabbat as a seventh or even eighth defenseman, at least for the first part of the year. Let's recap the preseason game so far. Mark Borowiecki has been at a position, hit some people, given up some bad goals, and Thomas Shabbat <laughs> has just been the smooth skating force that we all want to see. Is I'm not saying that the writing is on the wall, but I do have my <laughs> reading glasses next to me just in case. So, so I'll tell you how this is going to work, right? Mark Borowiecki and Thomas Shabbat will both make the team. For the home opener, the third pairing will be Weidman and Borowiecki, because Borowiecki Borowiecki is the veteran and the hometown guy, but uh, they will have Thomas Shabbat for at least the first nine games. And I suspect that at some point, Borowiecki will be asked to sit. Shabbat will uh, take over. I'm sort of picturing like Borowiecki is like that guy who's worked as a sandwich artist at Subway for like five years between high school and, and university, except he's just never enrolled in university yet. And he keeps working at Subway and they hire that, the that's, new. That's not fair. He took a distance course from a college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a C plus for dummies that he's never opened. And they've got uh, they hire this young kid and Borowiecki shows him, you know, how to work the meat station and all of that. And then one day Borowiecki comes to work and the new kid is the, like the manager. Like that's pretty much what's going to happen with him and Thomas Shabbat. He's going to show Thomas Shabbat the ropes. And within nine games, Thomas Shabbat is going to be his boss. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Good luck, Thomas Shabbat. And uh, best of luck to you, Mark Borowiecki. How high do you think Thomas Shabbat can fly this season? Because let's look at the left-handed defenseman on the Ottawa Senators. We've got Mark Borowiecki, and we already think Thomas Shabbat's above Mark Borowiecki. What about Mark Mathot? My theory on this season, if I can get really inside the Senators' defense of baseball, I think that we're going to have Phaneuf pass Mark Mathot, we're going to have a Carlson Phaneuf first pairing, and then we're going to have a CC Shabbat second pairing. That would be very interesting, CC Shabbat. Unfortunately, because they're both lefties, we never will have our Mathot Shabbat pairing. That is a tragedy. Which, which is still a high holiday as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, giving Chris Weidman the number six pretty much guarantees that he's going to be sticking with the team for a while though, right? Yeah, what so, do you think the amount of time was between Bobby Ryan going for the number nine and Chris Weidman going for the number six? Like three-tenths of a second? Probably right. not even. <laughs> but my question is, as soon as that six became available, who do you think Weidman had to fight for it? That's a good question. Who's got the worst number on the Senators right now? It's got to be Boro, right? It could be Boro. And at this point, I don't I don't even think Mark Borowiecki is the type of person who wants, like, a fancy single-digit number. Probably think, not. I, he probably puts on that 74 with pride and goes, <laughs> you know, this is who I am. Well, it is a real lunchbox kind of number, right? Although, I will say, uh, I'm looking across my desk at the Mark Borowiecki Binghamton Senators bobblehead that I purchased in Binghamton last year, uh, because uh, in your words, I hate money. And he's wearing in his Binghamton and captain's jersey on this bobblehead, which I must assume is accurate, the number five. So he's he's no stranger to a low number. So my hope is that Weidman and Borowiecki actually fought for the number six and Weidman got it or paid him off with like a lawn tractor or something. 
I'm still waiting for uh, Sen's social to put something up where they have, like, Mark Stone standing next to Mark Mathot, and it says 613, and then <laughs> somehow there's a Drake reference. I don't know. That's but. not bad. <laughs> Actually, this is this is not bad, because Phil Veroni is 81, and Bobby Ryan's 9, and if those guys are line mates, you've now got the Gatineau area code. <laughs> oh, I like so, it. Add in uh, Derek Broussard's 19, and you got a stew going. Any other bold predictions for this year? Zach Smith, another 25 goals? What do you think? Zach Smith looked good in training camp. I didn't, ex- like, when I was watching that single practice out of the corner of my eye as I tried to think of a joke to make on Twitter, I think he thinks he can score. It's weird it's how he doesn't he does. know his shooting percentage is going to decline badly. It's I weird know, how like, he's still out even, there. Why are you even bothering to shoot, Zach Smith? It's not going to go in. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I guess the only thing is knowing how badly his percentage is going to decline, he has to, uh, his margin will be lower per unit, but he's going to make it up on volume. Speaking of uh, falling back on volume, you know who's having a good training camp based who's on the that? number of shots he's seeing? Chris Dreger. Yeah, he's uh, he's still sticking around. He's now the officially the third goalie after uh, Anderson and Hammond. Well, that bodes well for the guy we signed out of college. <laughs> he just needs more seasoning, that's all. But if you want a guy who can stop the puck, Chris Dreger might be your uh, Binghamton starter. I believe you interviewed him last year, did you not? I did. He was very thoughtful. He'd been he w- through three levels of uh, three levels of hockey in a single season. And I don't think he once corrected you for mispronouncing his name. He gave me a look. I'll, I will say that. <laughs> his, his eyes narrowed noticeably. I think I said Dreger in London last year. Okay. But I'm, I'm going with Dreger. I'm doubling down. Well, what's his hockey nickname? Is it Dreegy? Dreegs? Uh, I could see Dreegs. It's probably Dreegs. Yeah. You know who doesn't have a nickname? Dion Phaneuf. That guy That's... is referred to as Dion Phaneuf at all times. <laughs> no one's ever been like Nufsy or Nuffer or Fanzy or Fanner. That guy is always Dion Phaneuf. And maybe as long as you don't look him directly in the eye... Just Dion. So, so I like I like your description of Dion Phaneuf as a very serious person at all times, uh, because as you know, Dion Phaneuf is actually going to be one of the alternate captains this year. Because <laughs> when you apply the talent exchange rate, being a captain on the Toronto Maple Leafs is basically the equivalent to being an alternate captain on the Senators. Mm-hmm. And not even that, he's actually just going to be the road alternate captain, whereas uh, Kyle Turris is going to wear the A at home. I like the uh, fact that they're going to make a point of giving that guy a letter when he goes back to Toronto. I feel like that's, just a, that's a pure Toronto Maple Leafs troll move, in my opinion. It, it's delightful, but what was also delightful was the uh, tweet that I saw from Bruce Garriock, where he said, Turris and Phaneuf will split the A, home and road. Chris Neal will wear an A at all times. And I <laughs> was like, shower. At, all, at all times? Like, <laughs> he's got one on his bathrobe. Like, he's got a barbecue apron, and he's out there grilling Franks, but it's got the A on it. Like, at some point, doesn't that just start to look like a scarlet letter? <laughs> like, outside of the context of a hockey jersey, surely he's not wearing an A at all times. What Bruce did Garriott. you do, Chris Neal? <laughs> I, have a, uh, I have a bold prediction for Chris Neal for this season, if you're ready for it. Is he going to crack 1,000 games this season? He will crack 1,000 games in what is probably going to be his last season in the NHL, and hopefully it'll be a uh, it'll be a decent one. But when other people, other fans of, of different teams say that Chris Neal is a dirty player or a cheap shot artist, what is the one thing on his record that Senators fans always point to to defend him? Never concussed Clark MacArthur in a scrimmage. <laughs> that is technically true, uh, but there's there's one other that I'm thinking of, and that's that he's never been suspended, correct? Correct. So get ready. 
because that streak is going to come to an end this year. Oh, boy. Wow. I have to say, you have been constantly on point with your Chris Neal-based predictions. And I'll tell you why. And it's just going to cement his legend for the rest of his life uh, in Ottawa. The second last game of the year Mm -hmm. is against the New York Rangers. As we can all imagine, the Rangers will be well out of the playoff hunt at that point. Because they uh, don't have Derek Broussard anymore. Yeah, they don't have any depth at center, right? So Mm -hmm. they won't be making the playoffs. They'll be calling up, you know, just random guys from their AHL team in Hartford. I would imagine at that point we'll have traded Patrick Seeloff to uh, Hartford for future considerations. I think we'll have traded him to Mars, but I'll let you keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's presuppose that Patrick Seeloff is called up by the Rangers uh, for the second last game of the year. And it's the first we all see of him again since our intra-team scrimmage at FanFest. And there's going to be a moment in that game when Patrick Seeloff, God bless him, decides he's going to take another run at Clark MacArthur. And before he's able to do it, Chris Neal decapitates him. (laughs) Like, literally cuts his head off Marty McSorley style with a hockey stick. And unfortunately, the league says, well, we've got no choice but to suspend you on account of killing Patrick Seeloff for the last game of the regular season and at least the first series of the playoffs. If you know you're about to retire, what effect does a suspension have on you at that point? If nothing else, Chris Neal giving up his proud, never-been-suspended streak to protect Clark MacArthur from a revenge-seeking Patrick Seeloff. Can you think of any greater sacrifice that he could make for his team and for his city? Uh, Neal 316 and all that, he'll be a legend forever. He'll protect Clark MacArthur, get suspended for the last game of the season, and uh, even though we won't be able to say that he's never been suspended, we will be able to say that he's an Ottawa senator for life. Damn it, that unsuspended streak was... Two games from retirement. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, and he, uh, my other prediction is that he will be whistled offside in at least every game he plays. There you go. Do you think Chris Neal gets scratched for a game so he can break the thousand-year mark at home? Um, the thousand-year mark. Let's try that it, again. <laughs> no, you had it right the first time. Uh, you can, How old you can, is Chris Neal really? Stay woke. <laughs> Let's see that birth certificate. You can see the, uh, the lines on his face that were carved over thousands of years by glaciers. I think that he will probably break thousand games at home. I'm sure it'll be a great celebration, similar to when uh, Chris Phillips did it. In fact, I recall in Chris Phillips' thousandth game, I believe he scored two goals. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling Chris Neal hat trick in his thousandth game. I'm pretty sure a Chris Neal hat trick is a fight going offside and then an oil change. But sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I am also uh, calling it this is going to be the year that Bobby Ryan gets back to the 30 goal mark. I like it. I'm in on that. All right. Boy, it sounds like they're going to have a great season. Like, <laughs> nobody's going to uh, play below expectations. And uh, even Phil Veroni is going to be a pleasant surprise. We have scaled Mount Take once more. We have scaled Mount Take. We'll come back in a couple of weeks once the season started. And uh, we'll have some news to report on. We'll be able to talk about Phil Veroni's ascent into the upper tier of NHL superstars. And everything else will be going smoothly. You know, why is there still a preseason? Let's just get on with it. Uh, I'm ready to go. I'm let's, excited. Let's get to opening night against the Leafs. And uh, who's that good? player they have again colin greening colin greening i'm looking forward to seeing that guy's return to ottawa just as i'm looking forward to seeing the senators go 81 and one and if i keep predicting it eventually it's going to happen so why not us and why not now that's literally how probability works right i mean i can't i can't be i can't be wrong in perpetuity looking forward to it later later We're a couple of fellers who both still live with their moms Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on 
No other podcast was finer. There was more of a hit with the big rig diners. We never thought they'd make it past episode five. Whoa, somehow these dudes named Chet and Paris are alive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who else do we have like whoa. that? Uh, Chad, Chad Nearing. Chad Nearing, not a real person. Not a real person. Ryan Rupert, I don't believe, is a real person. Um, uh, Kyle Flanagan. <laughs> Alex Krushelinski. Uh, that's not, that's definitely not real. He made that one up for sure. No, that's a real one. <laughs> as, is Chris, as is Chris Rumble. <laughs> uh, McCoy Urkamps. <laughs> 